Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Jo Milmine and this is episode 92, Midwinter Yarns, an interview with Estelle Faust. Hello and welcome to the show. A warm welcome to any new listeners that are joining us today. I am Joe. I am your host and I hope you'll enjoy spending a little time here with myself and Estelle. And if you're a returning listener, thank you as always for coming back again to spend your time with me and the other shiny crew and you'll also enjoy this latest in our set of interviews. I was delighted when Estelle agreed to come on to her to the show. I have been uh, a long-time admirer of Midwinter Yarns and Estelle and her husband Mark are absolutely lovely. They're great fun. They're always the people that I go to at shows and sort of seek out to go and say hello to because they're just dead friendly and nice. And um, I always appreciate going and, and having a look at all the lovely colours of yarn and having a bit of a banter with both of them and looking at the new things that they've brought in and they always have something a little bit different and that's why I really enjoy their their stalls in particular. So I was thrilled that she agreed to come onto the show and that she agreed to re-record her interview when hers was unfortunately one of the ones that I lost a few weeks ago due to a software issue that was quite a widespread software issue. And um, unfortunately I lost the first version but she very kindly agreed to come on again and I know how precious her time is so I'm very grateful for that. If you are a fan of uh, Scandinavian type yarns if you like something a little bit more robust a little bit more kind of traditional um but with definite hints of modern uh, sort of styles and you like to learn all about of the rich kind of textile tradition coming out of scandinavia then midwinter yarns is definitely going to be if you've not heard about it already um, the sort of place that's going to make you really really happy i really enjoyed this interview talking to estelle Hearing about how she went from working as an interior designer in uh, Cardiff and decided to step, you know, step out on her own and set up her own business and how she brings so much of her kind of heritage and childhood and culture from Sweden and makes it available for all of us over in the UK. You can find everything about Estelle at midwinteryarns.co.uk if you can't possibly wait till the end of the interview and you want to get straight in there now that is the place to go um but I am looking forward to welcoming welcoming her onto the show so grab a drink of some description and some tonics tea cakes because they are flavor of the month get your knitting and we will crack on with the show So I'm delighted today to welcome Estelle onto the show of Midwinter Yarns. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. It's a sunny day in Wales. Is it? It is pouring down in uh, in the north. That kind of that fine way, rain that gets you wet through. As oh, today. right. Okay. No, we've actually got a stunning sunny morning today. So. Oh, lovely. Well, hopefully that will find its way up here by the afternoon then. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So for those who are maybe not that familiar with you, Estelle, can you tell us a bit about you as a person and how you came to be interested in yarning pursuits? 
Um, I grew up in Sweden, and I have through various stops in Europe found my way to uh, to Wales. Um, in Sweden, when you go to school, uh, especially in primary school and middle school, um, you spend half the year doing textile things and half the year doing woodwork. I mean, amongst other things, obviously. Um, so everybody gets a grounding in sewing and knitting and, and weaving, if you're particularly good. Um, and at the same time, my mother is a is a big knitter and a sewer. So she taught me already before then, um, when I was about five or six, and it was a chore, and I hated it. Um, but um, the thing is, we also travelled a lot, and because she was such a big knitter, she would always, you know, find the yarn shop in the town. You know what it's like when, when you sort of plan your travels according to whether there are yarn shops in the place or not. So, as I was sort of tagging along, um, eventually you sort of pick up a ball and go, mm, I could do a thing with this, and I could do a thing with this, and I could do a thing with this, and eventually you're a knitter. So yeah, that that's sort of how it all started, really. I love it. I love how your mum used to just plan her shopping, uh, her travels around her shopping, and because we <laughs> definitely don't do that, do we? No, Ever. no, not at all. <laughs> so I don't, I don't go wandering in obscure parts of town just because there might be a yarn shop there. No, I definitely, don't. definitely. <laughs> um, so what was the um, tipping point then that became? sort of your hobby and something that you kind of grew into as you got older and got more interest in it, what turned that into a business? Um, I think there was a number of things that came together because um, at one point, this is, we were living in London by then and uh, this is about 10 years ago now, um, the sort of whole indie dyer thing started and I thought, oh, I could have a little go at that and I wanted to turn it into a business. Um, but it was this vicious circle of sort of because I was working, I didn't have the time to die enough to make, turn it into a viable business because I didn't have the stock and the kind of updates and things like that. Um, and then at the same time, I started realizing that at the time it has changed a bit now. Um, at the time, there were really only two suppliers that supplied undyed yarns to dyers, which meant that most of the dyers seemed to be using the same basis so even though the colors were very different and everybody's style is very different um it was essentially the same yarn mm. so i started sniffing around trying to see if i could find a different base which eventually led me back to sweden and looking at what's available there and then i realized that you know sweden with its big knitting tradition and and all that just they have loads of yarn and nobody knows about it outside of the country um so it sort of turned into realizing that other people do dyeing better than I do, and and just realizing that there was lots of yarns to you know finished yarns to share, and I thought I could actually, I, I I wanted to sort of concentrate on sourcing that and spreading that sort of you know love of wool and natural materials that we have in Sweden. I wanted to spread that, so there was that, and there was also the fact that we then eventually moved from. From London to Wales, which meant we had more space, and it was a purely practical thing of realizing, well, actually, I have got space to keep stock, and I've got space to actually run a business, and um, and this sort of ran from there. Super. Mm. So, obviously, you've talked about moving around a lot, and you moved from London to Wales, and I'd mm. imagine your life looks quite different now than it did in London. What is a typical day like for you? 
Um, typical date now is um, getting up, uh, picking picking orders, making sure that everything's ready to go to the post office, uh, taking a stroll to the post office because we live in a lovely valley and it's <laughs> and it's strolling down to the post office, which is nice. Um, there's um, I do also, you know, when people say think, oh, you're a retailer, you don't really get involved. You just kind of open boxes and. And ship it on. It's not because a lot of the suppliers that I work with, they're they're smaller companies. Um, some of the yarns, for example, the Lithuanian linen is actually spun for us. So it comes into me on big cones, and it needs to be separated out into hanks and wound into hanks and labelled and all that. So I do actually get involved with the yarns themselves, and there is a little bit of um, production going on, essentially, and and sort of um, labelling and packaging, and and then doing things like we've got the little mini hanks now and. Um, so I do try and be hands-on with the yarns. Then there's a lot of knitting involved mm-hmm. because um, partly sort of knitting, uh, we try to work with designers to um, to sort of because the the our yarns tend not to have an awful lot of pattern support behind them. Um, so we we do talk to a lot of designers. We do try and work out designs to show off. You know what you can do with the yarns um, whenever a new design comes out. You know, I do try and, you know, even though the designs will lend us their samples, I do try and kind of make our own mm. for for the shows, for display. Um, plus, it's just things I keep up with Instagram and it's just constantly sort of just showing people what you can make. And then there's just, whenever I get the yarn in my hands, I just have loads of ideas of I want to do one of these and then drop everything else and kind of, kind of start, start working on that. So there's lots and lots of knitting involved. And... Um, I mean, the thing is, our days are a little bit back to front mm-hmm. because uh, Mark, who some people might have met already, Mr. Midwinter, um, he works in a pub. Mm-hmm. He works in two pubs, in fact. And so he works in the evening. So very often we have the kind of luxury of being able to do stuff in the day mm-hmm. when everybody else is, is in their normal work and there's not that many people out. And just things like the supermarket and boring things as well. But we tend to kind of do things in the day and then I'll do most of my work in the evening when he's at work as well yeah that's good that's kind of one of the benefits I guess of running your own business is that you can work whenever you like (laughs) yeah exactly it's a huge benefit it can be an inconvenient because you do find yourself sort of sitting at two o'clock in the morning going I'm just going to finish this border and cast it off (laughs) um but but on the whole yeah no it's lovely it means you can you can go to the gym when it's not packed and it's you know just things like that it's quite nice oh super so you've talked a little bit about wanting to bring some Swedish yarns and share them with everyone here and working with lots of small dyers or producers and working with different designers to kind of bring all of that sort of mm-hmm. together. Um, so can you tell us about your creative process when you do that? How do you go about, you know, pairing up yarns with designers and how do you go about deciding which ones um, to share with us all? Um, I think sourcing the yarns, um, it's, I think it's still the magic of internet, a lot of it. It's, mm. it's, um, I follow a whole bunch of Swedish people on, on Instagram and always look, looking at what they're, they're doing. And if they mention a yarn that I don't know about, then I'll, I'll be straight on them going, Oh, what is this? And how do I, how do I get in touch with them? And, uh, and then finding out obviously the backstory of, of, of the yarn producers and, um, we sort of. There's a couple of different criteria for our yarns. Um, the biggest one is usually 
um, whether the, the actual raw materials are, are as local as possible. Um, so, for example, Old Centrum um, is one of our kind of biggest sellers and we do a lot of work with them. Um, their, their whole ethos is that they don't want to see, it's very much the same situation as in Wales, actually, that um, wool is very much seen as an inconvenience for the farmers. Mm. And it's a nuisance. And here is in Wales, we've got the British wool board who will pick them up, pick up the wool, and pay them an absolute pittance for it. In Sweden, the wool gets burnt. Mm. It just gets incinerated once it's you know once the, it's been sheared off. So all Centrum actually travel around. They uh, they're based on Öland, which is a little island off mm-hmm. the east coast. Yeah. Um, they will travel around the farms there, and they will travel around the sort of farms on the kind of nearby mainland and collect that wool. So they're a very sort of local um, sort of product. If we're working with a raw material that isn't necessarily kind of completely local, then it's got things to do like um, with Swedish knitting traditions. So for example, we have our rag sock yarn, uh, which is the only yarn we do that has a, has a nylon content in it. But it's a particular thick sock yarn, which is the kind of socks that everybody had and slid around on wooden floors in and still do so it's something that for me harks back to something very Swedish and something from my childhood so it's like well no we have to have the rag sock wool because it's it's so typically you know and if you say rag sock to anybody from Sweden and mostly from Norway and Denmark as well they'll know exactly what you mean mm. so so it's 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 things like that and then obviously um just colors whether the colors will fit within our our range because we tend to go for a lot of because um, a lot of people think, oh, Sweden is all very minimal and very kind of neutral and things like that. And it's not, actually. We do have, we pair all this neutralness with some quite rich colours. So it tends to be rich rather than bright, mm-hmm. but there is colour there. Um, also, a lot of our yarns, the, the colour ones, um, what I think makes a difference and gives them that particular quality is that most of them actually dyed onto a grey base rather than a white. Yeah. And that changes the, the, the sort of intensity of the colour straight away. So um so yeah, so it's just looking at, you know, different different producers and um obviously trying to promote people who are not already represented abroad and um and just sort of forming forming working relationships with them. And then obviously the, the work with the designers that comes from that just comes from making contact and uh and people getting excited about when we did the um uh, Karina Vesterman did the Hugger collection with mm. us because obviously as she's Scandinavian as well um, when we got in touch with each other it was sort of like oh let's do something very Scandinavian something very there's this concept of Hugger which um, in Swedish is called Mysit, Um but it's the same sort of word which describes essentially cozy but it can be a bit more than that it's one of those words that tend to turn up in untranslatable words list is mm. usually Hugger it's just that sort of sense of curling up with a cup of tea and a knitting and, and a cat and, you know, just sort of really, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing, essentially. So she, she wanted to do a, a collection based on that and then used our yarns for it. So um, it's usually, as for which yarns go with which project, that tends to be up to the designer more than to us. So they will say, well, what I'd like, you know, I mean, so, I mean, Karina, for example, did ask us, you know, if I wanted to do something like this, which yarn would you recommend? So obviously that's that comes to our kind of knowledge of of our products. Mm. Um, but then it's up to them to choose the the colours and and what they actually want to do. 
Oh, brilliant. I, I love the way that you're not dogmatically, it must be Swedish and it must be this. It's more about having that whole picture and telling the stories. And it, like you said at the beginning, you wanted to spread it and share those traditions. And you're definitely mm. doing that by giving yourself a little bit of flexibility and saying, well, no, we must have the rag sock because that is just so Swedish and it's everybody remembers that. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's a really good way of looking at things because I have never been to Sweden, but I really mm. like those... Um, you know, cinnamon pastries, like a cinnamon swirl. Cinnamon, cinnamon buns. Yes. My yes. Swedish friend used to make those for me. And that's something that I imagine everyone is sat around wearing these beautiful kind of knitted socks and eating the, <laughs> eating the cinnamon buns. It's, it's pretty, like pretty much, culture. pretty much. Actually, the, the cinnamon buns um, were Mark's groom's, groom's cake last year. Because <laughs> we had a, we had a, oh gosh. Our actual wedding cake was a Swedish princess cake, which isn't as floofy as it sounds. It's a bright green thing. Mm. Um, but then the groom's cake, I made uh, cinnamon buns because he loves them. So, um, yeah. Oh, they are delicious. I love <laughs> it. I love the way we can kind of travel to Sweden and experience all the culture and things through through midwinter. It's ace. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so speaking of journeys, hypothetical yes. or otherwise, um, non None of them are ever smooth ones, and running a business has its ups and downs. Can you think of a time when things maybe didn't quite go to plan, or what happened, and what um, did you learn as a result of it? Uh, I mean, we're still relatively new. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're just coming into our third year, so um, I don't think I've I've discovered any major, major, major disasters. It's been more things like um, like timings and getting to shows on time. Because mm. we did, we did make that mistake with one show that we decided to um, come and set up in the morning and completely underestimated how long it would take us, and it got a bit stressful. Um, but so far, we've not had any any major disasters. I don't think. I think I'm learning every day this whole sort of working smarter thing, mm. and and there's a few little changes that we're doing now to our display, which allows us to kind of um, like for. Uh, Edinburgh Edinburgh Yarn Festival, which has just been, um, I had some special boxes made, and we're very excited about the special boxes. The special boxes means that we can pack the yarn in a display sort of way at home, mm -hmm. so when we get there, all we do is slot the box into the shelf, which is actually an idea I've stolen from Eden Cottage Yarns, but that's a different story. Jesus, <laughs> I'm biased. <laughs> yeah, but it's a good idea. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, so things like that, we're sort of now getting to a stage where we're sort of tweaking a little bit how we work and, and, and things like that just to kind of make it run a little bit smoother and not find yourself at two o'clock in the morning winding 10 kilos of linen into hanks and things like that. So it's just got to do with getting better organized. And, um, and yeah, I'm a terrible procrastinator usually. So I think it's more kind of my discipline of doing things a little bit in advance. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, you've hit the nail on the head there with the, you know, it might not be major disaster, bad thing, you know, there might not be some kind of really dramatic story to tell, but looking at the way you're doing things and trying to work smarter rather than just working harder or doing things because that's the way you're supposed to do them or that's what yeah. everyone's always done. Exactly. It's really important, especially as your business grows. Yeah, definitely. Lovely. So taking it from all of your learning so far what mm -hmm. has been the highest point of your journey so far um 
I think the highest point is always seeing the finished project mm. because it's still that sort of feeling of you know it's it's for me it's also I just love seeing what you know I mean we we sell yarn to people and then I love seeing what it becomes after I love seeing that somebody has actually finished their project and has enjoyed it and is actually wearing it and it's a thing and it's you know it continues to kind of live and and have a have a shape after it's kind of left our our shop our stall so um it's just yeah seeing people in finished projects is is always lovely especially at shows when they come up and then the other thing that really got me is again because because the shows are our chance to get you know actually meet people and meet customers um is when people come to a show and they'll come to us straight away in the morning and go you're on my list of stores to see and that's quite you know we're not just a sort of random company that people kind of walk past it's you know and happen to look at they, they actually kind of looked it up and went right these people i need to go and see them or i've you know bought from them before i need to go and see them again that that sort of thing that feels absolutely amazing when people do that um i think as a single event um it's gonna have to be the edinburgh yarn show <laughs> just just being part of that and i still i still wonder how we've ended up kind of being part of it because it's got such a kind of vibe of um as a sort of top end uh vendors is also all the kind of designers and teachers that are walking around and it's it's just you know there's so many contacts that you can make them people you talk to and then the other thing is also just the visitors because the quality of the knitwear in scotland is incredible and you just spend the whole weekend kind of looking at what people are wearing and going, i want to make one of them i want to make one of them i want to make one of them so it's a dangerous show, but it's it's just amazing to be part of that. So we're very, very grateful that we get to do that. Yeah, definitely. I can attest to the quality of knitwear in Scotland. I mean, again, I'm a little bit biased. I am a little bit biased. <laughs> um, but it is a great show. And like you said, there's just so many sort of of the big names and teachers in the same place. And yeah, so many really enthusiastic um knitters it's just it's just really great fun yeah and i mean it's so international now as well people are coming from so far yeah for it is quite incredible but yeah it's the thing the big difference i've noticed between um shows in the south and or rather you know customers in the south and customers in the north is the the color work you do mm. a lot more color work up in scotland and um it's something that i for a very long time didn't really bother with because i'm more i'm more of an endurance knitter <laughs> big expanses of stocking stitch um but then i sort of try to shirk away from detailed things because i'm not a very good detailed person um but it inspired me to do color work um and i think it was also part of you know seeing all the color work last year made me want to do the um the scattered sh showers uh shawl that we had this year mm -hmm. um with a sort of little suns and clouds on them and it's just Yes, because when you do a, a colour work fabric in, in, in a proper woolly wool, it's just such a lovely thing. It's like a blanket. Even if it's a cardigan, it feels like a big, warm, woolly blanket. So it's, yeah, it's really inspiring. It's an inspiring place to be. Fantastic. So taking it back to the wool. Yes. Which one thing that you know now did you wish you would know when you picked up that first ball of yarn? Um, I think... I mean, it, it almost makes you sound like, you know, it should be something negative and it's, it, 
it's not at all it's it's um i think what's amazing is is the sort of community there is around knitting and i think you know when i was five and my mother was torturing me to finish my row i don't think i could have imagined that um quite how many friends i would have made mm. knitting and it's like that feeling like for example next week i'm going up to gothenburg where i haven't been before even though i'm from sweden um and i'm meeting up for a knit night with some you know some people that i've met online and it's it's just kind of almost having like a friend in every port because you've got that in common and you can talk and also just knitters i found um other um other business people in 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 the industry and and everyone around is incredibly generous as well mm. i've found and it's just the kind of community of helping each other along and and giving each other ideas like i said you know i I stole an idea, from, you know, for display from Eden Cottage Yarns, but I know that she was more than happy to share that idea. It's not like, oh, you're copying what we're doing. It's just, you know, it's just a fantastic community, and I think it's incredible the the kind of people you meet through it. So I think, yeah, I don't think I could have imagined that it would be be such a big part of my life, and obviously a business now as well. And um, yeah, so I think that's that's. I mean, I think there's the two things that have come together is just kind of knitting itself as a as an activity which is quite can be quite social it can i mean on the other hand knitting can be you know a lovely time to isolate yourself but it can also be a very social event because you go to a knit night and and things like that no it's true strange isn't it because like when i left the military i never thought you know what when i leave service I'm, i'm going to i'm going to become a knitting podcaster and have two knitting related businesses and all my friends will be knitted yeah it's just like the last thing i thought i'd be doing when i grew up was this yeah um, but it's just gives you so much doesn't it it really does yeah it really does oh brilliant cool so desert island skeins then we're gonna have to get specific now okay if you were going to be marooned on a desert island and you could only take one ball or skein of yarn what would you take and why mm, um I think, and I know it's going to sound really biased, but I think it'd probably be uh, one of our all centrum gradients in the in the sport weight. Mm-hmm. Now, there's loads of other yarns I like, so it's not that oh, I only like my own yarns, because I like a bit of Madeleine Tosh. <laughs> I like a bit of La Bianne mm-hmm. I like a bit of Triskelion. I like nice, soft things. Um, but if I had to knit with the same ball of yarn over and over again, um, I'd go for a gradient. Um, and in, in the all centrums because they're really hard wearing so I could actually unpick it over and over again for quite a while and because they're gradient you can do so many things with it and they're kind of exciting even if you're just knitting a plain thing it's an exciting thing to just watch the colours change Yeah. and then you can do not that I've tried them yet but I have seen really cool projects in like Entrelac and things like that which just really plays on the on the whole gradient thing so I think there'd be a few techniques to try there so yeah, if I had to be stuck with the same one over and over again, that's what I would go for. Yeah, sounds good. I like it. Quite, You've got that good balance between practicality and creativity, I think. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Um, so what is your favourite then or your go-to resource, either for yarn craft or for business that you couldn't do without? I think it'd have to be Ravelry. Mm. Because rivalry is just, I mean, it's really boring. And I know loads of your interviewees have already said that. But it's as a as a resource for 
for patterns, for yarns, for meeting people, for everything. Um, I think Ravelry is just is just completely on its own there. Um, although I must admit, I'm a big fan of Instagram as well. I'm a big, big fan of Instagram because it's so sort of, it's so easy. And I think it's, you know, it's that thing of a picture says a thousand words because I'm not on Twitter because I don't know what to do with my 140 characters, mainly because I tend to ramble. So it's not helpful. Um, whereas a picture, you can just go, look, here's a lovely little, you know. I do a lot of the random color combinations. I don't know if you've ever seen them, mm. where it, we might just be kind of labeling or packing or unpacking or doing something, and there's a little pile of yarn and it's just randomly been piled on top of each other. But that's actually a really nice color combination that I would never have thought of putting together. And I do a lot of those little snaps because I just think they're, they're inspiring, and then it's also inspiring to look at other people's pictures and random things they do and breakfasts stuff there's like a that. lot of food on there isn't there there's a lot of food on instagram yes i think mark got very upset with me once we were in wagamama's and i was hesitating which dish to take and for a minute and i don't mean i thought this seriously but for a time, briefest moment i thought which one of these is going to look better on my instagram <laughs> <laughs> neither unless they're vegan there's not enough steak on instagram it's all vegan food Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not really... It is. It is in my feed, anyway. I mean, I like a bit of vegan food, but... Um... <laughs> oh, uh, no, I do like steak. Mine's got cheese on it whenever I can. <laughs> so, um... Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, where is the best place, then, other than Instagram? Yes. For the listeners to come and find you? Um, it's uh, it's our website um, at midwinteryarns.com that's got all our online shop on it it's got a link to a blog as well a uh, blog that Mark is chasing me to update a little bit more often so we are working on that mm-hmm. um, uh, best place to actually just keep up with news is, is on Facebook or Midwinter Yarns on Facebook because that's where you know um, I put up shows that we're doing. I put up whenever we get stock back in, back in, and things like that. That's you know, if it's pure, because I don't, I don't really believe in sending out newsletters to people because they usually tend to catch people at the wrong time and they just end up in the bin. Um, so if you want to find out what's going on at Midwinter Yarns, that's the best best place to follow. Ah, oh, super. Um, so do you have any parting words then for those people who are maybe thinking about getting into the industry? Um, I think it's, it's an amazing industry to be in. It's, um, I still pinch myself very often thinking that, you know, um, this is what I do for a living and that some of it is sitting in the garden knitting and that's really lovely. Um, you just got to be aware it is a business. You do need to do some work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it can it can mean because you haven't you know you're making your own hours it does mean your hours can get really long because you suddenly feel like oh I just want to do one more thing because I think it's going to work you find yourself at two o'clock in the morning doing stuff because there's nobody to tell you to go home um (laughs) the the knit I mean as much as I love knitting um sometimes you can end up putting pressure on yourself because you just want to finish that one display sample and it's taking you longer than you thought and you end up kind of sitting with two bags of peas in your hands because you've actually overworked it so it is you know there you gotta suddenly there is a certain element of the knitting maybe not always being the one thing you really want to be doing Mm -hmm. um 
but and at the same time you know we'll go to a show the shows are incredibly intense they're wonderful but they are very intense and they are very taxing and because it's it's partly the kind of run up to it mm. as you go all the preparations then you've got the physical side of getting up there and unpacking and, and essentially building a shop in the space of a couple of hours uh, talking to lots of wonderful but many many people <laughs> over the space of a weekend and then getting yourself back home but at the same time all that work I still find myself coming back home and going I want to cast on this thing because I had an idea so it just doesn't go away the love of it just does not go away so yeah just be aware there's work there but it is you know if if you are if you are a knitter and you're passionate about woolly things and yarny things and it's it's wonderful super so let's get excited now <laughs> what can we look forward to what is next for midwinter yarn Wolfest at the end of june up in cockermouth in cumbria is going to be our next um big show mm -hmm. and uh, that is a lovely one because that one is a very woolly show um, so it's got it's got sheep there on site, and um, I do believe they had a Kaylee band last year as well, which was very exciting. Um, so um, yeah, just just bringing more wool to uh, to more people. Essentially, that's what we're working on. Um, and then other than that, just just trying to come up with more ideas to for things to do with our yarns and and show them off. Essentially, wonderful. Lovely. Well, Estelle, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your stories with us and all of your experience of running your business. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, I did tell you she was lovely, didn't I? I hope you enjoyed that interview with Estelle and hearing a little bit more about the background to Midwinter Yarns, head on over if you're not going to be at Woolfest and check out all of their wares on their website at um, midwinteryarns.com and get, get yourself in there, get in there and get some of this, um, this lovely sheepy wool dried. So that is all I've got time for this week, I hope you've enjoyed the show, I will be back again next week but until then I hope you will have I love the week. Happy crafting and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye. You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so via the blog or I'm Shiny Bees on Ravelry, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and Facebook. You can email me at shinybeesinfo at gmail.com. Music for this episode is provided by Music Alley and it is Adam and the Walter Boys and I Need a Drink. I need a drink.